Hi all, James here. For this episode, it's with uh, Eric Chen, a big supporter of Andrew Yang, part of the Yang Gang. Uh, he did a lot of, uh, you know, commenting, posting, YouTubing for Andrew Yang, who is now out of the race. Uh, we recorded this prior to uh, Andrew Yang, uh, Andrew Yang's announcement. We actually recorded this episode back in uh, December 2019. So uh, please uh, disregard some of the outdated comments made in the episode. However, I believe that there's still a lot of good content uh, in regards to, you know, basically promoting uh, a campaign and also some ideas about identity and being Taiwanese and Taiwanese American in the U.S. So please have a listen and thanks again for your patience. Welcome back to Yin and Yang, the podcast. Uh, this is episode number 44. Wow. Woo. We're here with a uh, guest. Uh, do you go by Eric Chen? Or mm-hmm. do you, yeah. uh, Eric, we're here with Eric Chen, part of the Yang gang. What's Woo-hoo. up? What's up? Yo, yo. Uh, right here, too. Uh, yeah, Dan. <laughs> so uh, basically, we got connected through a mutual friend. And I was asking our, our mutual friend Bonnie, and I was asking her, "Hey, uh, I've been following Andrew Yang's uh, basically ever since Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan podcast, that episode." And I reached out to Bonnie and I asked her, "Hey, you know, I'd be yeah, I, I saw that she's super big in the Yang Gang and is uh, talking about, you know." promoting his stuff and i was like hey i'd be love i'd love to have you on the podcast it's like you know i'm kind of swamped right now but i got a guy i got i know a guy (laughs) i know a guy who 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 would be so down to talk about yang with you and uh she uh she connected us so thank you for having us um how are you doing today i'm doing well i'm really i'm really excited to be here really happy to be here and uh, this is one of the things I'm most uh, passionate and excited about. Okay, great. And uh, that's just it. Just comes when it comes from within. Yeah, it just feels very effortless. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. So um, generally, what we do, yeah, we just maybe get a little bit about your background. Then from there, we'll just dive into kind of like some of your worldviews and then how you got connected with Yang. But uh, first off, just briefly, uh, what's like I guess your background? You you. You emigrated here when you were seven? Yes, yeah. I came to this country. My family immigrated from Taiwan. Yeah. Well, actually, my father was here in 1985. Uh, So he came here first to study electrical engineering and get his master's degree. Okay. And then in 1991, uh, that's when my family, uh, basically six, after that, then my family immigrated to the United States, and there are many, many obstacles. It actually took us hmm. uh, 19 visa attempts for us to successfully immigrate to this country. So imagine, 19, okay. yeah, imagine being rejected not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, not five, <laughs> not six, but not seven, not 10, not 12. 
Is that normal? 19 times or? I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I have no basis of comparison to others. Because my dad got a scholarship. Yeah. And then he came here, then just stayed, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. My, my dad, he came on a, on a student visa and, and I was told that, yeah, it's very normal for families to be with the student while they're here. But for whatever reason, Uncle Sam did not allow my family to come to be reunited. And that's a very big part of our uh, family history. That's so, okay. Yeah. So, so uh, you, you, you angry at Uncle Sam or what's up? <laughs> well, that's why, you know, when people talk about uh, border, the, the separation at the border. Yeah. And, and even though, even though, you know, I'm not Latino, even though I never had, you know, my family never had to go through the cages and all those things that we see. That's some terrible shit, right? man. Yeah, yeah. But we still did experience family separation in a situation where typically a family would be united, mm. uh, historically speaking. Is, so for whatever know. reason, we were not, we were, we were separated. Yeah. Huh. And uh, do you think that's because you're Asian? Or uh, be because of the relationship, not because you're Asian, but the relationship between Ta Taiwan and the U.S. at the time or something like that? It's or? hard to say. It's I tough. think yeah, that yeah. it definitely has to do with the fact that for whatever reason, the U.S. government did not want our family to be together. That's tough, To man. be here together. So your dad was here and then... To study. Mm -hmm. And then, were you born at the uh, at that time? Yeah, yeah I was yeah. born in, yeah, I was born in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, and yeah, we just wanted, my parents, they just wanted to be together. So and, you didn't see your dad for how long? Uh, for the first six, seven years of my life. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So then when you, you met him for the first time when you were seven? Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. I still, I can still, as I talk to you right now, I can still vividly remember the moment getting off the air, uh, get off the airplane in LAX and seeing my dad for the very first time in person. I mean, obviously I saw him when I was a baby. But I didn't have any. You living, remember, yeah. I didn't have any living memory of that, and I still remember the first time I saw him, even as I talk to you right now. What was that experience? Was there, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, Dan. Yeah. Was there an adjustment? I mean, to to getting used to living with your dad. Uh, yeah, was it like instant connection, and then the adjustment period, or like how, how like how did that work? Yeah, uh, when you when you first saw him, what, what was that like? You know? Yeah, well, I just remember. Just being really happy to see him and, you know, just running up to him and giving him a big hug. That's, oh, wow. That so, was just kind of so like... So no, no stranger danger feeling at the when you saw him? No, not that. Really? At least from what I can remember, yeah. Did you recognize him immediately? Yeah, I recognized wow. him immediately, yeah. Okay, because you guys talked on the phone. They didn't have Skype back then. Yeah, right? we talked on the phone. <laughs> and the, the, we had, I had pictures. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and... In terms of the adjustment, I think, yeah, it was, I think it was more difficult for my mom. I think it was more, the difficult part was adjusting to living in this country as opposed to living with my dad. Yeah, because mm. when we first, when we all came, like, it was me, my, bro uh, my brother, and then uh, my grandparents. So at, at the beginning, it was my, not my mom, my mom did not come until, I think, October or November. And part of the story was that, well, part of the reason, well, what happened was apparently, there's a long story behind this, but yeah, at some point, my parents, they had to get a fake divorce. 
So what? because uh, because and is this, are you okay saying this publicly? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're all we're all, uh, we're all this we're, is all public knowledge. We're now all American citizens. We're now, all yeah. American citizens now. And so they had to get. Apparently, they the immigration lawyers said that for whatever reason they didn't want our family to be united. So the only since they don't want us. Which like, presidency was this? What presidency was this? This is the Clintons or Reagan. this is under Reagan. Uh, Reagan. 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 What's up, Reagan? What's going on here? Which is funny because he signed the 1985 uh, Immigration Reform Act, which would help, which helped uh, uh, bring more immigrants to America, and also that's weird. That is that's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I do think that it was part of that law that eventually allowed my family to come together uh, okay. but it was still under the administration where so yeah because the immigration lawyer said i don't think the u.s government wants you guys to be together what uh as a family so the best way to circumvent this is yeah. to get a fake divorce <laughs> okay so then they wouldn't think you're trying to become united as a family so actually in english like my last name c-h-e-n is actually the wrong Spelling. It's like a paper name. Oh shit! My You're actually, a paper son, son. I'm a paper, basically, yeah. And the actual, my, you know, because my Chinese name is Chen, which is supposed to be C H E N G, which is my, you know, which is, yeah, yeah. I, I, I never changed it. I could have changed it when yeah. I, uh, but I just wanted to not change it to remember this episode in history that my family had to change our family. I had to change my last name. Wow. We had to get, they had my family, my parents had to get a fake divorce <laughs> to try to be reunited, which is the irony, right? Like to become united as yeah. a family. They yeah. Had, yeah. Had yeah to separate. Then they yeah. Get divorced. So, so then, <laughs> then from there you grew up in San Gabriel Valley. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In San Gabriel Valley. And I think that was a harder adjustment. And ironically, compared to everyone else in the country, I, Later, as I would later learn, that it was actually that was much. I was in a much easier environment since, you know, the schools I went to were predominantly Asian American. Sure. But it didn't mean that I was not treated as an outsider because you know the whole fob thing. The fob thing, yeah, yeah. 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 So I know one of our previous guests, um, uh, shout out to Greg Gregory Yuan. Uh, he was Asian American, but he had mentioned something similar and something Dan and I we've talked about before is that there's a dichotomy there between Asian Americans, the the real Asian Americans versus the fobs, and in growing up, to be honest, yeah, there was a certain level of like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the. I don't. Want, I'm not a fobby Asian. I'm an Asian American. But now, as an old, uh, I think one thing that we all agreed on at being older was like, damn. These people, well, you know, these they are they're 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 trying to adjust. They're trying they're struggling, and the fact that they have an accent, what does that mean? That means they speak more than one language, like, which is more to say than a lot of Asian Americans who who can a lot of them don't speak their you know their mother tongue. Yeah, yeah, and I think in you know my brother, uh, see for me this is like my brother. He came when he was in ninth grade, eighth grade. That was tough. So basically, yeah, you know, yeah. he would be what most people would. Class a lot of Asian Americans would classify as quote unquote fob, and right. should be fop by the way, fresh off the plane. But anyways, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, so I think it's like yeah, it's like when people say that, it's like well, that's my brother. Okay. So I, 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 it makes me sometimes the way people talk about it just yeah, makes me yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, th I think that's what you're pointing to is the idea that you know this otherizing of this group of people 
when we're actually like there's you know, we're not that different we're, we're, not we're all the same and this kind of false dichotomy or this kind of barrier is actually i would say kind of part of our self-hatred if you yeah, know, in some yeah. ways and rejection of our own uh identity in some ways yeah the self-loathing in the asian american community can be can be pretty deep you know and i know one thing that going back to the, the dichotomy of like asian american versus fobs is that well guess what what were what were my are my parents or what were your parents like right, exactly they were they were immigrants too so like to hate on fobs or to hate on those people is in the sense also hating on like is there's they're doing exactly what your parents did but just one generation removed you know and that's uh no that's an interesting point uh so then the adjustment growing up like so you felt did you feel when did you start feeling i guess american or did you ever feel american or like well yeah so actually <laughs> the earliest parts of my life in elementary school was always as i look back now was always a process of trying to fit in trying to fit in trying to fit in and not that i didn't have friends in elementary school yeah uh i still remember the first day i walked into class i did not speak a word uh, actually i knew the alphabet and i knew the word apple yeah and actually i also named myself uh oh eric eric, right? eric yeah. which because and the reason is that my favorite movie at the time was the little mermaid yeah and obviously oh. I was, and i wasn't going to name myself ariel Right. 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 <laughs> right. So uh, I was, you know, so I named myself Eric. I uh, funny thing is that my college roommate, his name is Ariel. Right. Right. <laughs> so we were on the door. It says Eric and Ariel. You know? <laughs> that's that's funny. Oh. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, the first day I walked to, uh, I I went to school. I could not find my name. I couldn't even like, find my name tag. You know, like in elementary school, they had the name tag on every desk. Oh, did they use your opinion name or something? Oh, they, or like I think they had Eric tag? and Pin. Uh, they had both. Oh, okay. But my again, my English was so limited ah. that I couldn't even recognize my own name tag. I didn't know where to sit. Right. Oh. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so, yeah. When did you feel Asian, like American? At what age do you think you felt like? Or was it a gradual thing and just like one of one day just oh yeah I'm I'm Asian American. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I can't really point back to a moment when I can say oh I actually fit in now. Uh, but I can say that yeah, that's hard to pinpoint. I think. Yeah, yeah. But maybe when I was like, if there is the something closest to I can point to, would maybe be like. I don't know, my junior year in high school when I was in like all the honors and AP classes that all the like everyone else was in. Not, yeah, not yeah, everyone yeah. else, but many of my circles were in. Yeah. And so, and, and so it's like, yeah, well, at that point, it's like, well, how can anybody call you, you know, a quote unquote fob, fob yeah, 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 when yeah. you're in all the same, you know, classes that mm. all the quote unquote non. But I don't know. I don't know at what point I could point. I don't think there's a certain like exact moment because I already I always had friends some of my closest friends I still hang out with who are Asian American so but, but I still but remember was, mm -hmm, go ahead was there a time that you were like I identify myself as Asian American I mean you always have to answer those surveys or questions when you apply to some job it's like how do you identify yourself or in some way that it might not be like an exact point, like, okay, I'm American now, but maybe at some point later on in your life, you're like, oh, you know what? I think 
I feel like I feel fit in. I'm like no different than. Or you might have seen like a fob, and it's like, oh, I'm not that. Do you mm. do you understand? Yes. Like, yes. So yes. I guess like the fob yeah. is like, okay, I am definitely not that. So right. the solid. Did you ever solidify your identity? I guess. Or yeah. yeah. I mean, at some point, it's just hard for me to point uh, pinpoint right now. Maybe with some additional reflection, uh, I could probably pinpoint a moment. But right, right now, just off the top of my head, there's so many memories that I can, like, uh, that's rehashing right now as I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of, like, Asian American as a category, probably not until college. But uh, but I, I do remember one time, the one time I felt very Asian American hmm. was that when I went to uh, nationals for uh, speech and debate, the competition. Yeah. And... In California, especially LA, it's like mostly Asian American, Latinos, some whites, right? And but at nationals, it was people. Most people were white, <laughs> and I, that was like, that was like for the first time. I was like, wow. Most people here are white. You know? yeah. and it's almost like the first time I realized, wow, my experience of America is actually maybe may not be reflective of the rest of America. That was probably the first time. That was my junior year in high school, and I was like, wow, there are a lot of White people, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because of it, you know, I grew up in San Gabriel Valley, yeah. and uh, that's where all I, I not to say there weren't any, you know, European Americans, but that was about ten to fifteen percent. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That was a big shock. I think that's that was a big shock. I guess then, do you? So you count yourself as you? You call yourself Asian American? I think there are no. There are different ways, right? Because Asian American is in terms of the racial, like my racial identity, because mm. that's the, in terms of America, in terms of like national origin, I would say, you know, Taiwanese American. But mm. if you think about like culture, uh, culture and ethnicity, and that's where I identify as Chinese American. Oh, so you like, identify as Chinese American. Yeah. So in terms of, yeah. So there's, yeah. Through, in terms of race, yeah, my racial identity. Racial classification. Sure, it would be Asian American. There's some Taiwanese people who'd be very angry at what at that at, at someone calling themselves Chinese American, if even though they're they're from Taiwan. Right? Well, yeah, I think I would not. There's that. There's that. Yeah, there's that. Down. Yeah, there's that barrier of. Uh, but yeah, I would not call myself in terms of my national origin. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Chinese American. Uh, actually, interestingly, I talked to. Uh, I know we're gonna talk about Andrew Yang. I yeah. actually asked. Evelyn, I was at the private gathering. Yeah, yeah. And I was asking Evelyn how she identified herself. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. She actually, uh, more. I know that uh, Andrew Yang has identified himself as Asian American and as a son of Taiwanese immigrants. He's also called himself Chinese American. Too. He's also called himself Chinese American. But that was on like KTSF or K, like one of those, uh, those uh, Chinese uh, American shows in the Bay Area. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was interesting when I asked Evelyn. So <coughs> she, yeah, she was saying, I asked actually her about her family background and Andrew Yang's family background. And she said that her family came with the KMT from China. Wai Sheng Lin. Wai Sheng Lin, yeah. And the mainlanders that immigrated with the KMT, which is actually my grandfather's side on my mom's side. And Andrew Yang apparently. Uh, his side of the family is like more native. Bundi, yeah, Bundi, yeah. That's oh. like me on my on my dad's side. I looked at the genealogy, and my family immigrated in 1776 from Fujian <laughs> to Taiwan. Oh, so you you're, you're Bundi on that side? Okay. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. I'm so like, that I, means Bundi means basically 
native native uh, native right. born or like literally means what uh, original land people or yeah. right even though we're actually not the original land because that's the Abor- that's our aboriginals that's the, technically that's the aborigines are the True natives. But if you want, I mean, if we want to get, have you done any 23andMe or anything like no, that? No, not yet. Yeah. I haven't done that yet. You know, if your family came back with the Fujian people, then maybe some of them got around with some Aborigines. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. probably, they probably, <laughs> they probably, well, look at my uh, skin complexion because a lot of people do, they, you know, a lot of Filipinos or Southeast Asians, they always ask me, like, you know, I have Filipinos because I'm a darker complexion. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. You'd be like, ¿Cómo está acá? Or, like, you know, <laughs> or are you like Filipino? Or, or even I still remember in my cross country uh, team picture. Yeah. Because when I'm exposed to the sun yeah. a lot, yeah. I get even darker. And I was literally <laughs> the darkest person on the entire team. Oh, uh, you're. And you're... that's like, we have a lot of dark Latinos on the team. And I was darker. I was darker than the darkest Latino. That's because uh, you got some Aborigine in there, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have never done twenty. What is it? Twenty-three. Well, I don't think I don't think those guys. Like I don't know how accurate that is. Like how are they gonna get? Because my understanding of twenty-three and me is that they're only as accurate as the samples they get. So like, are they getting any Taiwanese Aboriginal? That's so specific. Like, are they getting any ta- Taiwanese Aboriginal blood samples? Like. That's hard to say. That's hard to say. Maybe. I mean, shoot, maybe. Um, but anyways, uh, so then I guess if someone asks you, oh, they, they basically, from what I understand, it's the line of questioning and how and how that line of questioning affects your answer. So, hey, are you? Uh, so, if someone asks you where you're from, that's a very broad question. We get that a lot as Asian Americans. Right. Right. You're right. So then. Um, say okay. If someone asks you, "Oh, where's your family from?" Taiwan. That's easy. Right, right? Well, how do you how do you identify? Identify. How so. do you identify yourself? And that's that's where I actually go. I actually literally go into the nuance ah. of like, well, it all depends on what you mean. Right. And I said yeah, when yeah. you look at race, you know, obviously America is going to see me okay. as Asian American. Right. Right. And if you look at the politics, the national origin, that's where I say, yeah, my family's from Taiwan, so that makes me Taiwan American. Right, and, and then I, on paper you're you're American. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, American. American. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, and I think if you look at uh, the, a lot of the culture, because there is a lot of cultural similar history, shared history of the language, of uh, I think that's also partially because my my mom's side, right, immigrated yeah. from mainland China. So that's where I, maybe I do identify with that Chinese. American. Sure, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. you know, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so maybe that is why I'm. I'm more comfortable with identifying. Whereas if both my side parents were Bandita, yeah, native, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 maybe I would not be as comfortable identifying as Chinese American. So Andrew Yang, both sides is Bandi, or apparently. From, uh, uh, yeah, I cannot confirm this 100%. <laughs> That's what I gathered from talking to Evelyn. I don't. I'm. I'm not sure if Evelyn is 100% sure either. Either from what yeah. I could gather, she didn't say with confidence. Yeah. She just told me. I think Andrew's family is like uh, your, your dad's or your dad's side of the family that they've been there yeah. in Taiwan for generations. Yeah. But again, like that's again, it's still a secondhand source, so I'm not sure. Bottom line, <laughs> Taiwanese parent, uh, Ta- uh, parents from Taiwan. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So my parents are from Taiwan. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and they're both both sides are Bundi. So, I am I qual I I strongly identify as Taiwanese American, mm-hmm. and I I personally would never say Chinese American. Even though I have checked that box on the census because that was the only box, there was no Taiwanese box. But now they're actually the Taiwanese, like a TaiwaneseAmerican.org, and, and some other organizations are pushing to put Taiwanese on the ballot or on the census. Because uh, let's be real, like it's 
it's there's a lot of similarities there's a lot of shared history because of um you know the the civil war in china and then the kmt coming over but at the same yeah i mean we would, i mean if you're somebody from taiwan you're definitely very different than, than somebody from, from china from mainland let's china just, there's, a, there's a very real. big cultural, cultural difference, difference. Yeah. and like it's like first of all the the government if you want to get geeky about the government the current government system which is communist in china never had claim to taiwan the only government in China that had claim to Taiwan was the Qing Dynasty, right? And then it was then they lost. Well, was it Qing Dynasty? Yeah. Anyways, they lost the war to Japan. Then went to Japan. Anyways, that's like a whole another uh, topic. Um, I can get I can I can geek out about that stuff too uh, for, 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 for a future episode. <laughs> for Taiwan, a future episode, Taiwan, Taiwan history, Taiwanese yeah. <laughs> history, and Chinese history. Right, right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, there's people who get banned from China for saying, you know, like, you know, Taiwanese independent stuff. And it's interesting because I was at a, uh, and I want to get to your connection with Andrew Yang, but I, uh, it's a touchy issue. So when I went to that, um, I went to a similar thing for Andrew Yang where he was having like a meet and greet at, at a house and I, I brought it up and he was like, that's a tough one. <laughs> like, he had this. <laughs> what like, did you ask him? I asked him, what do you think about uh, China and Taiwanese relation, Taiwan relations? And where do you think it can move forward or or should it change? And he had to think for a moment, you know, and he says, for now, well, I'm going to have to say status quo for now. It's a very personal topic to me, you know, from, because of where my family is from. But for now, um, let's just maintain like the two separate systems for now. Yeah. Very, you know, the safe answer. De facto, right? basically. De, de, facto, facto, de, de facto. De facto independence, right? Basically, de facto independence, yeah. No. Anyways. Um, Do you think that would be problematic for him? If, let's say he wins the the presidency, how is that going to affect his relationships with, with China? Well, I think that his parents do go to Taiwan, from what I heard, like half the year. So right. I think he's going to... And if you listen to his rhetoric, he does say that on one hand, he does see some ways in which China and U.S. can cooperate. But he also does see U.S.-China as competitors in terms of artificial intelligence and defense. For sure. And quantum computing. And, China's killing us in AI. Yeah. yeah. And because they have so much more data, that's the bottom line. I, is Well, see, the thing is, like, what I'm want more interested in right now, the U.S. cannot officially... Um, recognize Taiwan as a separate country, right? As its mm -hmm. own sovereign country. Right. Because it would anger China. And if Andrew Yang, who identifies himself as Taiwanese American, who's been there, uh, his family goes back generations. We don't know for sure, but at least on one side, how is that going to affect, how is he going to navigate those things with China itself? Well, that's true. Well, that's I can't, a tough, yeah. yeah. I can't speak for him, but I do think that it will overall favor Taiwan, right? Because if it's oh, if yeah. it's if it's oh, a place of his connections. Yeah, 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 if it's, yeah, yeah. If, I mean if his parents are there half the time, right? And right. uh I do think that <laughs> you know that would he take would he take a call from Tsai Ing-wen, you know, like like Trump did. <laughs> <laughs> but Wait, uh, Bobby, don't you think it'll be more adversarial? In terms of uh, with China? Yeah. Oh, if, if you mean if economy. if Andrew gets into if if Andrew Yang gets in the White House, it's more adversarial than say another yeah. candidate. Hmm. Ah, it's hard. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to say. I do think that it's he's gonna try to. I think from what I've heard, he yeah. is gonna walk the fine line of like cooperation in terms of things like 
uh, climate change. Yeah, yeah. Right? In certain ways in which you can still do business. But at the same time, he is very vocal about the fact that, yeah, China, you are infringing upon copyright and intellectual property theft and recognizing those things. And, and uh, China's getting... Yeah. yeah, sorry. Um, but they're, 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 from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, they're, they're also meddling with our election as well. Right. With, like, same with the Russian bots and stuff. So, like, are, their hands are not completely clean either. So, and I know from what I've seen from the debates, Andrew Yang has been very vocal about, like, don't mess with our elections. Right. Like, that's considered, like, you know, that's an act in the, of aggression, you know? And uh, I'm, I'm down with I That's why I, 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 I support that. Like, dude. You can't you can't be like making fake Facebook groups and trying to like this. Is, do you have you heard about this, Dan? Like Russia made these fake Facebook groups. Like one was like Black Lives Matter, and another one was like Blue Lives Matter. Both started by the same like Russian, you know, uh, people or, or, or like bots or whatever. And then they would create discord between like the oh, two yeah. groups. I, I, actually, I even read an article that said uh, this one Russian operator yeah. spent a hundred bucks. Okay, advertised on Facebook, was able to successfully organize remotely a rally, like a white supremacist rally that 100 people showed up to. Oh my gosh. So just think about that. I was like, a Russian operator on Facebook was able to organize a rally? Like yeah, a white, white supremacist, supremacist rally? Uh, yeah, so I, was, so I was like, wow. It's like, oh, you heard about this, Dan? I read about it, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. so... That's the power of social media. Right. And so, uh, yeah. Do you have more of an affinity for Andrew Yang because he's Taiwanese and you yourself also are Taiwanese? I think that if I were to think about it, probably. But at first, actually, I'd heard about Andrew Yang way back, uh, I think earlier this year. And I had first heard about universal basic income. And my first, my first thoughts were just that, okay, well... You know, his, his contribution is going to be that he will bring universal basic income to the debate conversation. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be thankful for him for that. And that's it. Because... Huh. And I, that's... My initial impressions were basically... Yeah. Not, wait, so... That makes me want to ask, like... So wait, that was... Was that your first kind of... So what was your first kind of introduction to Andrew Yang? And like, when did you start getting like really, cause I know your background seems to be speech and debate, right? Mm -hmm. Speech and debate, not necessarily politics, but you, you debated about politics and stuff. Right. Like and, that. and the events that I do coach are very much uh, current affairs oriented. So Got the it. students have to know about, I mean, everything they talk about in the presidential debates, climate change, gun control, healthcare, the economy, science and technology, Cybersecurity, military intelligence, everything. Okay. All those things. Presidential politics, congressional politics. Those are the kind of things that my students have to know about. And so I would have to know about. Yeah. And, but yeah, I think I read an article about him I vaguely earlier in the year. And oh, this year, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Oh, oh so, okay. So I, and at that time, I was learning a little bit about, a little bit about universal basic income. And so I was like, oh, yeah. So I'm glad that at my, my initial impressions, my initial thoughts, just from reading the article that I had read, was that he will kind of move the needle on UBI the same way that Bernie moved the needle on uh, Medicare for All back in 
2016, 2015, 2016. Yeah. yeah. The way that Bernie moved the needle on Medicare <coughs> for All. Andrew Just moved the needle a little. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Andrew Yang would also move the needle on UBI. And then I thought that was, that was pretty much like what I thought. And then, of course, actually, initially, I thought, yeah, and especially as an Asian American, I don't really think that he can be viable in the general election. Mm, that was your initial reaction. My, that's my initial That was my initial reaction, too. Yeah, yeah and I think yeah. that's that's what a lot of people still think. Uh, so then when did you become full, like, fucking Yang Gang all the way? When did the, when was that transition? For well, you? There's, <laughs> evo- there's actually a funny thing. Though. There's, evo- there's actually an evolution, not necessarily because probably, you know, I supported Bernie, so I was still more on the Bernie train at that point. And then in April, I saw on Facebook this event, the rally, the Parish in the Square uh, rally. And oh, I think I was at that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time he was in LA, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I had saw that a couple of my students, because you know Facebook tells you who else you know, yeah, yeah. like it's interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I saw that my students said that they were interested in going. My my freshman students. So I messaged them. I was like, Hey, uh, I saw that you guys were interested in the Andrew Yang rally. They're like, Yeah, we want to go. Are you gonna go? So I was like, Oh, okay. I guess. We can all go. So yeah, we, we yeah, all yeah. went to the rally. So funny thing is, like almost like my, my students were the ones that yanked they yanked me. You know? They yanked <laughs> you, okay. <laughs> In a way, because I mean, you know, Facebook combination of things. But I was thinking about going, and then uh, I saw my students were going. Like we all decided to go together. Right, but they were more hardcore than you, though. Huh? At that point, <laughs> at that point, they they you know they RSVP before I did. Ah, so, okay. But. I was just, I was just like curious. So I went to the rally and I thought he made a lot of sense. Uh, I liked what I heard. Um, I, I, but I wasn't then necessarily, I feel like I was leaning towards him. I was probably in favor of him, but I wasn't necessarily full yanking. You were still a burner at the time. Yeah. (laughs) No, I wasn't, uh, I was not sure anymore that, well, yeah, I, I like these names that each person has, like Burner, a Yanger, or, or a Yang Gang, and then it's catchy. I mean, it's catchy. But sorry, go go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. and so I I thought I, I liked him. That's why at that point I can say that at that point I liked him. I put all posts on social media, but I wasn't like, oh, you know, this is gonna be the forty. This is not. This is not, okay. I yeah, wasn't yeah. like, oh yeah, this is the you know forty six president. I was just like, I was just excited that wow, he's actually he's not just talking about like he, I was excited that he was a great. A great candidate that he ah. had. I really like the things he had to say. Yeah, and that was that. I was excited in that sense. Got it. But I wasn't like you know fully, fully activated like what I'm like now. Right. And then I still remember in about in June, I was at that point more in favor of Elizabeth Warren. Oh, HK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know I was with my students at the Nash, uh, Nationals uh, speech and debate tournament, and there were some articles written about written about Elizabeth Warren, and I was learning more about her, and, you know, she has she's the one with a lot of plans, and, you know, I'm someone who, like, subs- looks into policies and substance, so Content, I was actually... Yeah, 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 yeah. At that point, she had a lot of good plans, and a lot of, you know, she had the most plans at that point. <laughs> and so, and plus I had learned that she was a... Uh, a, a debater in, in high school. She oh, was like so a, a fellow fellow speech and debater. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a debate champion at a time when females were kind of looked down upon. Right. Literally, Elizabeth Warren would walk into a room. They would see her. They would just laugh. Like, oh, really? Just, yeah, they just couldn't take the debate seriously because, like, well, I'm not. That's how sexist it was. Right. 
And funny thing was she kicked their butt because she won. She was the state champion of Oklahoma. Wow. So she has an amazing story. So at that point, I was kind of favoring Elizabeth Warren, actually. Mm, maybe that shared history and, yeah, and the policies. And the policies. Guy, yeah, I was yeah. morally, I was actually telling a lot of people about Elizabeth Warren and uh, at that point. Right. This is back in June. Oh, so recent. So this is real recent. Yeah, okay, June. six months. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I, yeah, and people can, people around me can attest to that. And I was, yeah. So, uh, and then I went to, oh, and then somebody messaged me who actually was a, uh, a Gabberlino, because, you know, I went to Gabberlino and that's where I coach. And one of the alumni. Shout out to Gabberlino. Yeah, yeah. Gabberlino High School, Screaming Eagles. And one of the alumni uh, texted me, uh, Messenger, was like, hey, I saw that you're interested in Andrew Yang. Are you like, uh, and I started to get a little bit more into him. I think I started listening to more podcasts. Yeah. And Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. And Sam and Harris. Sam was Harris. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I was like, huh. I actually was kind of like learning more and more. And the more I heard what he was saying, I was like, wow, this is more than a one trick pony. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was starting to put, put out more stuff about him. And then TC, she was like, hey, I think she's like, hey, I think. I'm, you know, I see you posting more about Andrew Yang stuff, and I just want you to know that I'm actually uh, Yang Gang, and I'm interested <laughs> in doing more stuff. And I'm she, in the gang. Yeah, and she, she, and she said she wanted to start like a San Gabriel Valley Facebook, like a group. Yeah, yeah. And then apparently yeah. there was already a group that some high school students had started, but it was kind of inactive. But we actually had what's called a Yang Hang <laughs> <laughs> at her apartment. And it was just like me, her, uh, Alex, and this other person, this former, this Bernie supporter at the time, he just came out because he knew TC from like, she owns an ice cream cart. Okay. And cool. so she, he just came out to support and we're, yeah. So he actually switched from Bernie to Yang. Ah. Yeah. Uh, and so that was actually what, then we're like, Hey, well, we need to start doing stuff. Okay. Because we like well, we, we we need like we yeah if we're gonna make something happen yeah like we we had to try to do something. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And so that was the beginning of kind of like oh we then we said okay well let's do something what are we gonna do? So we said okay how about we're gonna go table at Pete like what about reaching out to Pasadena City College? So we literally a week later we planned a, an event out at PCC uh -huh. and we weren't sure how it was gonna go, uh, and about like seven people came out to the to the event okay so it was very actually very successful and i think that's what then we started seven out, people yeah six seven people came out okay. to to the event okay and uh so ever so since start. The, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. since then we've just doing been doing other events been like and then lee kai who is the regional coordinator kind of gathered some people who were in the area we all had like a face-to-face -face meet up oh. at the factory tea bar so like kind of like once you start putting some stuff out, you were like, hmm, I really like this guy. And then when you connected with like the community, like the Yang gang, then that's when you got kind of pulled in. It sounds like, well, yeah, I think the, 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 uh, and I listening to the podcast, after listening to the podcast, then I started to think, wow, this is not just a, he's not just bringing universal not just UBI basic only. income yeah, to yeah, yeah. the, which is a big thing, by forefront, the way, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But he's also like, he has a great mind when it comes to like, the other topics besides yeah. foreign the, policy, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, whether it's yeah the the climate change, okay, or higher education and all the other policies or criminal justice, okay. So and I was like, wow, this is this guy is 
Bernie 2.0. That's basically what I realized. I was like, wow, whatever Bernie had to offer in terms of policy, he's actually even better Okay. in terms of policy. Hmm. So it's like, at that point, it's like, then I was getting excited, but I, I didn't really, I didn't have an outlet. I didn't ah. really know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so kind of this meetup kind of helped me solidify, gave me an outlet to kind of express my passion on the, to campaign on a more uh, actively. So are you working with uh, the local coordinator, Lee Kai, often? Uh, well, we're pretty much, it's very decentralized. I mean, I do stay in contact with him from time to time, but we basically, I mean, right now I'm focused on just starting uh, Yang Gang, Yang Gangs all over LA now. Um, so, you know, we have the, of course, I'm still helping with San Gabriel Valley, but I'm also a part of like the African-American outreach, also trying to start things like Occidental College or other schools or like uh, in Inland Empire or what, just trying to, trying to expand uh, as much as we can, trying to multiply and trying to grow this movement. Right. So, and then I'm, yeah. there's like a deadline, right? I mean, the primaries are going to be voted on in March. Yeah. I mean, in California, it's he qualified uh, for the debate. Yeah. yeah. He, he did qualify for the December debate. So that's next Thursday, but there's still some drama around that, of course, with the whole union and none of them are going to, I don't know if you heard. No, no. Well, yeah. So basically they, Bernie, uh, Warren and Yang initially, they all decided that they were not going to attend because it's at LMU. Well, at first it was at UCLA and then there was some union issue. Then they changed the venue to LMU. And then apparently there's some labor dispute issue at LMU with the labor union that with all the food workers and the custodians or whatnot. Oh, okay, so then okay. they all said, well, we're not going to debate at LMU. We're not going to cross the picket line for, uh, the debate. for the debate. So yeah. after that, like Biden and everybody else joined in. So apparently all seven are said they're going to said they're not going to cross the picket line. And so right now we're not, I mean, where the, the debate's going to be. Held, I mean, the yeah. debate's going to be probably going to happen, but we're not, but there's still some, Drama. The, the venue. Yeah, venue. Were, yeah. Hmm. So there's still some, some, uh, well, it's, and then I feel bad for the organizers. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a logistical that's a nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. Because yeah, people have already booked their flights to come in and their hotels. And so, I mean, it's, right. so yeah, uh, yeah, he did qualify for the debate. I mean, he's in the top seven. Yeah. So that's, is Pete Buttigieg still in there? Yeah, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. The copycat, that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, everybody's copying. Uh, even Bernie, uh, after the second debate, where at the uh, closing, Andrew Yang was like, you know, we're we're here with our makeup, our faces, with our uh, rehearsed lines. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and someone's arguing yeah, about yeah, my yeah, tie. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Playing our part in this reality TV show. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then the but, next day. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. That's what they're doing, right? I mean, that's that's the point of having these people in with diverse viewpoints stay in the race it's like move the needle like you said you want to move the needle and andrew yang being there is moving the needle and other people are adopting those things right, right? no yeah his his point was saying that a lot of times people are we're not talking about things of substance instead of talking about right. the policies we're talking about my tie we're talking about these like these like meaningless uh, rehearsed attack lines on whatever and like this and, and instead of focusing on the real issues, how we're going to create innovative and creative solutions for America's problems. A lot of times right. it becomes this reality show about the drama, like, oh, we got to make sure Biden attacks Pete and Pete, you know, Kamala attacks Biden and Biden, yeah. you know, it becomes this drama. And the next day, 
Uh, Bernie Sanders appears on Joe Rogan. It's like, yeah, you know, it's a the debate was a it's a reality show, reality TV show. Right, right, and right. Then even Biden was recently saying that oh, because uh, there's a line Andrew Yang in his uh, stump speech is that you know the kids are not all right. Right, the kids are not all right. Yeah, yeah, that we need to be able to look at our kids in the eye and say that you know your country loves you, your country values you, and you're gonna be all right. And then Joe Biden adopted that line. We ah. saying that you know our kids are not all right. That's like. That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there's no, no one owns these words, but like they, you know, Andrew Yang was one of the first to bring them up, and I, I hate to say it, but it makes me feel like white kids copying Asian kids' homework in yeah. school. Like that's how <laughs> I again, no again though. That's a that's a whole point. At some point or another, all these people with like diverse uh, ideas, and it's gonna solidify into one Democratic uh, nominee, right? And they're going to adopt the best. And what you want to do is have all these diverse people. And then the person who's going to finally come out of the Democratic primary is going to have all the best parts of everyone else to go against. Actually, that's, use that as policy. That's, what, that's why Andrew Yang said. He said that at the end <clears throat> of the Democratic nomination process, either I'm going to be the candidate or either I'm going to be the nominee or whoever is the nominee is going to sound just like me. <laughs> That's right. that's but, pretty I mean, smart. Yeah, yeah, it's not just them. It's not just Andrew, <coughs> but everybody else, right? Like, right, the, exactly. The Medicare for all thing is like originally Bernie's, but now it's like shifted a little bit here and there. I I think I read somewhere that Hillary wanted uh, Medicare for all back in the '90s, and she was trying to get that passed through when when her president her husband was president. So yeah, actually, yeah, so yeah, she, yeah, she was the original. If you want to talk about Medicare for all, I mean, she didn't use that term Medicare for all, but she was trying to get universal health care passed because she right. did a research on all the other health care systems. And she, yeah, she was trying to get universal health. She was basically trying to get to single payer at that mm, time in right. 19 in the early 90s. And of right. course, that one commercial basically sunk her efforts. And, every, you know, there was yeah. so much smear campaign like, oh, nepotism and... Which but, commercial was this one? Uh, this one commercial, these like two elderly couples, and they said that they lost, you know, they can't see their doctor anymore or whatever. It was like a very, it was like a scare tactic, ah. and it worked like a charm. And so <coughs> basically, that ad just destroyed any efforts. At Advertising time. marketing is it's it's crazy. It's so powerful, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the mean, cycle, that's, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what all political campaigns have to be, right? Because I've I've had psychological sat in, warfare like, on like yeah. well, I've sat in on a. a uh, strategy meeting for a mayoral race and they were talking about how to position and using choosing the right right words is very important and I think right now Yang Gang is actually a great marketing slogan that's a marketing thing right Yang Gang is very catchy oh yeah yeah so mm -hmm. the other things that the other candidates are lacking is that they don't have like a single message the Democratic Party is very bad at messaging whereas like the the Republicans are really great at it. Trump, as, oh, yeah. as evil as he is, he's like, lock her up. It's very easy to remember. Build the wall. Very <laughs> easy to remember. Democrats don't have anything like that. They have like this long, huge paragraph explaining what they want you to do or what they want to do, but they can't boil it down to like three words. Yeah, right. and I think, and, okay, and that's why I think Andrew Yang is like, that's another reason why he's best qualified because his marketing techniques and tactics and his messaging just cuts right through all the BS. Like, for example, right. his whole thing is it's a trickle-up economy. Trickle-up. That's what he wants, yeah. That's, you know, this whole... UBI like, well, is going to... How does universal basic income, how is it going to help the American people? It's 
it's going to trickle up. It's going to trickle up from the people all the way up to the businesses, to the government, and everyone's going to, it's going to, everything's going to trickle, it's a trickle up economics. I mean, I also look at your hat, right? Math, make America think harder, right? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) This is like the antithesis to the, to MAGA. Right. Right. And, make America great again. Yeah. Yeah. And especially and people ask them, well, you know, universal basic income. Isn't that like the freedom dividend? Right. Isn't that like socialism and communism? And he's right. like, nope, it's not. It's capitalism where income doesn't start at zero. Right. So his his market and even like the uh, the giveaway at the debate. So, he, you know, at the second debate, he pretty at the, I don't know which de- was it the third debate, I think. Uh, he basically won the debate from the beginning when he announced the t- the uh, freedom dividend giveaway. That he said that ten, oh, pe- yeah. ten people you can go on Yang twenty twenty right now to sign up and you know to to enter a contest to win the freedom dividend. It's a brilliant marketing was, strategy. Yeah, and brilliant. It was brilliant because like over half a million people flooded to his website and signed up. And if not, he got like thousands, hundreds of thousands of new followers. Like yeah. I think I think he got like a like crazy number of followers after that debate. Yeah. Well, not only that, the next day people were talking about it. It was like, oh, is this like, oh, that's bribery? Is this legal? <laughs> it's like you know, everyone was like, every media outlet was talking about it. Whether they said you know, is this legal? Is this bribery? Is this whatever, whatever? And it just generated so much publicity. It is, and it's smart because. Sure, maybe it's a little bribery, but it's in line with his policy. Right. He's following through with his policy. Like, well, basically, I'm just doing the beta version. Right, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm just, I, and like, it's, yeah. it's, it's genius. It's genius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's like the perfect marketing funnel, right? You have that. You, you throw it out there and the maximum people. Like, yeah. Was it Peter Buttigieg? Who's like, oh, wow, that was, that's, 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 that's creative. That's yeah. great. Like freaking... <laughs> Yeah, and he had a well, yeah. People, I remember like everyone else laughed. Like, uh, Kam, I think Kamala Harris. Yeah, and yeah everyone Kuba, was like chuckling. Emily Klobuchar yeah. and uh, but that uh, shit worked. And, and, and Pete Buttigieg, that you know, he's probably thinking to himself, "Damn, why didn't I think of that?" Yeah, but sorry, well, Dan, what were you gonna say? I think for the marketing thing, um, I I don't. Every time I I hear about Andrew Yang, and he's not nailing those three words like triple 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 trickle up economy or anything like that. I don't think he's nailing those things as hard as Trump did when he was like, you know, throwing, doing his campaign rallies back in the day. It, I, even when I watched Patriot Act, those words didn't even come up. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it didn't come up at all. And oh, I think okay. that he might have those slogans. He might have those marketing ideas. He's not hitting those things as hard as he can. The math mm. thing to make, make America think harder is a great idea. But when he doesn't say it all the time, right? I don't know. Does he say it all the time? Make America think harder. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah he does. Usually, mm-hmm. he has a couple of slogans, but I think I kind of get what you're saying. Maybe, yeah, maybe he should hone in on a few of them and like repetition is what repetition, you're saying. Yeah, right? repetition. Repetition. Like, you know, we're gonna build a trip. You, yeah. you can't have ten of them. He has to have three of them, and he has to like focus down the funnel down to the three biggest <laughs> biggest ones that he wants. Because I don't like associate math with make America think harder. I think of oh he's Asian American and this like very this Asian American stereotype is like on his hat. Ah, uh. that's what I think about. So even though it's like a very good uh, acronym, make America think harder. That's great. But when I see math and I, I look at an Asian American guy wearing that hat, I think yeah. oh it's just perpetuating a stereotype. And he even perpetuated a stereotype when he goes I'm Asian American. I know a lot of doctors. 
That was cringe. That, yeah, was, that was very cringe. I think, yeah, I think many of us, even in the Yang Gang, we were not happy. I remember I sent a lot of uh, messages and like, you know, because I do some, know some people who are like, you know, on the social media team or yeah. whatever. And all of us were like, I, I think it's fine that he makes Asian jokes, but I think like, let's not make the like, cringy. Like there are good ways to make jokes, and like that's like a joke from like the nineties, you know. It's a yeah. <laughs> it's like a, he's dating himself. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so I think I think if you're gonna do a Asian joke, you should be like a good one. I think our main thing right. is that you should be like you should have funny ones and the really clever ones, not the cheap like the ones in the nineties that's like not even funny anymore. Because like um, was is Ryan Ryan Higa Ryan Higa? Higa yeah. they, so Andrew Yang was on Ryan's podcast. And uh, Ryan, I asked about it. Good question. And Ryan said, "Well, you know, it's okay. I think it's all right with you using the stereotypes." Like, but like, I would say no. I'm not okay with him using the stereotypes because, in a way, it's like you're. Pl- he's trying to play into uh, kind of like white conceptions of what Asians are. Yes. And then using that as a way to pull their vote. And I'm not yeah. comfortable with that, to be honest. Do you agree? Yeah, Dan. I, I agree with that. But again, like the tri- trickle up economy, if he just like stops saying universal basic income, it's just like trickle up economy, trickle up economy. And how are we going to get that? We're going to like deal with universal basic income. We're going to deal with like um, lowering student loan debts, things like that. I get that. Like trickle, uh, trickle up economy and everything is a, a subset of that. But he doesn't nail it that way. Everyone's like focused mm. on the universal basic income as something different from the trickle up economy line. Does that make sense? Oh, so connecting it, those ideas. Yeah, because trickle up economy starts with the universal basic income, lowering student loan debts, and you know cutting down like the the cost of a higher education because that will actually yeah. trickle up economy. Those things are all related, right. but he doesn't hit that thing right you know very hard enough that I associate trickle up economy with Andrew Yang. There's nothing that I associate with okay. Andrew Yang other than the math hat. And even up until tonight, <laughs> which is really sad, I didn't know that it would make America think harder. I just associate this yeah, very well. Yeah, like, well, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, on every interview, and he doesn't he always... have it under. He doesn't have it underneath, right? If you look at the MAGA hats, they actually spell it out sometimes. <laughs> No, it's actually, no, it says, uh, yeah, it says make, Amer- make America great again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. okay, but so maybe have like that. a little You're subtitle. Like, yeah. Yeah, you have to do something to actually under- explain it, right? If I look at it, if I didn't know, if I didn't have this podcast with you guys today, and I looked at the math hat, I was like, oh, that just perpetuates the stereotype, Asian guys. Um, and smart. that's that's a negative. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I think that makes sense. Just say, say it. That would be great. Mm, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree with you, Dan. I think that's a good idea. Cause like I didn't know that make a think make America think harder until I went to that rally that you went to, the Pershing one. And I was like, oh, that's what the math thing's about. And right. uh, well, it's kind of well, it's kind of like playing into the ser- It's like playing into the stereotype and then subverting the stereotype. Right? right, right. So so good point. Like now, would you agree? Do you think that's a viable campaign strategy because okay let's let's take the uh let's take the n-word all right black people have the n-word and they use it as a way as a term of endearment you and i cannot use it because we're not black and we don't we do not have that shared history right now uh now we do have a shared history of people thinking we're good at math 
Yes. That's something I've experienced. Dan, have you experienced that? People think you're good at math. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so then, okay, so, you know, on the spectrum thing, and the N word being pretty extreme, but math being like, you know, like, the stereotype. The, the stereotype. stereotype it, it's one of those like microaggressions, or like it's it's like if someone if someone call a black person the n word, that's like someone's yeah, that's, that's aggression. That's, 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 that's not that's, micro, that's macro. That's yeah, macroaggression. Yeah. Right. 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 So, but if someone said, "Oh, James, hey, can you help me with this problem?" I, like, but they don't say anything. They just like, "Hey, can you help me with this math problem?" And there's like ten other people near me. <laughs> you know, like, um. So, anyways. Do you think that's a viable thing to subvert stereotypes? Do you think that's a viable campaign strategy for Yang or in general, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that ever since that many Asian Americans, actually, I heard that he was on this one uh, conference call with like uh, some Yang gang people. Cool. And one person was literally like, we don't, we're not happy with, um, you know, the way that you keep like you saying some of these jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he was, he listened. And if you've, if you've noticed uh, ever since that whole like uh, the, where you talk, where you joked around about like oh, so I know a lot of doctors. Like you don't see him making that many Asian jokes anymore. Ever. It, ever since the doctor joke, I've noticed that. Yeah, ever actually, since yeah. the doctor joke, he doesn't. I mean, the only joke he does say is the uh, the opposite of Donald Trump is an Asian man who loves math and right. math. And, but right. he always follows it up with and math stands for make America think harder. Mm. So he's he's always making sure to. Uh, it's like he kind of is like ha 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 the the stereotype. And then he subverts the stereotype. I was I was kind of uh, disappointed when on the Patriot Act he did not solve that math problem. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. yeah. He was like, so, uh, it must be C. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, you know, come on, you got you got to give it a try, you know. <laughs> uh, Eric, I, I I just want I I really want him to do better, and I think with you and you reaching out to other other communities, I would probably like help with the messaging. Trickle up economy is great, but there's way too many syllables. You can just like cut it up to cut it down to trickle up, <laughs> and how that how the things actually mean trickle up, right? The UBI, the Medicare for all, the tuition, all those things are all trickle up. Those are all ideas related to trickle up, and how you can actually say this, this is it. Andrew Yang's all about trickle up. How's he going to do the trickle up? He's going to do UBI. He's going to do Medicare for all. How does that affect trickle up? This is how it's going to do cut down <laughs> medical medical costs. And then you can have some income. And then what else is there? The tuition is very important, right? You want to trickle up the yeah, economy. Affordable. If, you can be affordable. Yeah, all yeah. the businesses are people are going to have more money, more money to spend. Uh, right. That means that they're going to be able to. Buy- I, Dan, I, I would say that Andrew Yang has has he's been on on a lot of interviews. I think for the most part, he that's what he's trying to. He's been that's the messaging that he's been giving. I think he's been giving. But I guess what for though the method is more well, important, right? Again, the Democratic okay. parties, they all have great ideas, great policy ideas, but it's not very clear-cut. It's not very small and bite sizes that people can actually consume. It's not a, like a lock mm. locker up. It's not a build the wall. It's not, you know, this or that, you know, who's going to pay for it? Drain the swamp or fake the fake swamp, news. Yeah, yeah. Three words, yeah. very short, you know, monosyllabic almost, right? Drain the swamp, build the wall. Lock her up. They're all monosyllabic. People can chant those things. But if you say trickle up economy, you can't chant that. Trickle up, yeah. No, the chant, the chant is the, they, the, the, there's a chant that's like Yang bucks trickle up. Yang bucks trickle up. That's Yang that. bucks trickle up. Yeah, because okay. right. Yang so, bu- it's like a thousand dollars. Yeah. So something. I mean, that, you know, trickle up and then 
but it doesn't have to be Yang Bucks only, right? It shouldn't just be associated mm-hmm. with the UBI. You have to say, yeah. okay, with Medicare for All, how is that going to help you? You're going to cut down your medical costs. And if you don't have to worry about your medical costs, that's a trickle-off economy as well. How, you know, the tuitions, you know, cutting down student loan debts, those are two different things, right? Student loan debt is like the people who already have it, and lowering the cost of tuition is for people who haven't gone to school yet. So those are all related to trickle-up. And if you can just, like, have them convey that, you know, like, trickle-up, I believe in trickle-up, trickle-up, trickle-up. You know, what do you want? Trickle-up. And then how are you going to get it? UBI, Medicare for All. All those things, you make it really simple. And I think that would be much more impactful than explain every single little detail. It's great that he has all those things if he has to get into it in a debate. But I think that that's what he should do, personally. You well, know? I, I, did, I did read an article about how, uh, uh, basically, how Andrew Yang, he has the right narrative to beat Donald right. Trump. Because if you think about it, Donald Trump saying that his whole thing is that uh, make America great again because... Uh, you know, because you're you're all suffering, and the reason why America's not great anymore is that because the immigration, right? Immig- immigrants in Mexico and China and all that, right? So he's which blamed, is bullshit. He's been in, yeah. He's he's blaming on immigration. Andrew Yang saying no, it's not immigration. It's, it's automation. It's automation. Yeah. So like we all, everyone like there there has to be in every story there has to be a villain, and so in in Donald Trump's narrative, immigration is the villain. And in Andrew Yang's narrative, it's like, actually, it's not immigration. You go to the factories. It's not immigrants doing your jobs. It's the robots doing your jobs. Right. And his counter narrative to build a wall, make Mexico pay for it, is we're going to give $1,000 a month and make Amazon pay for it. Right. So that's like the counter narrative. It's like he has, I mean. Amazon has been paying zero in tax, right. has paid zero in taxes. But he's repeated that thousands of times. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make $1,000 a month. How is it going to pay for it? It's like, you know. Jeff Bezos. Yeah, the, you know, it's like, build a wall, make Mexico pay for it. Andrew Yang's like, $1,000 a month and make Amazon pay for it. Right. So I right, think right. in that sense, he does have like the perfect counter narrative to, but have- I, I, I do, yeah, I do, I do, can see, I do see your point of like, needs to have that kind of the catchy phrase, like trickle up. Monosyllabic. Trickle, yeah, 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 like trickle up, uh, like, you know, the locker up, trickle up. Three syllables. Yeah, math. Three syllables works, right? Yeah. Build a wall, yeah. lock them up, drain the swamp, all that stuff. So, I think um, personally, if I were to go to like reach out to other places, Occidental College or you know Loyola, Mel- Loyola Marymount or Cal Poly Pomona, all these like really heavily Asian American, well, not Occidental College, but Cal Poly Pomona or something like that, I would probably like do that. You know, just like make it very simple. And then how is that trickle up going to work? Then you can start expounding upon the, the different parts of his policies. You know, most like right, most right. Americans worry about themselves first and how it's going to be affected. Foreign policy is something that they should know about when they get into further along in the debate. But a lot of Americans do not care about foreign policy. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I actually read an article. It's called the uh, in, on CNBC and they have what's called the Moody predict uh moody indicator index something like uh-huh. that and uh, basically it's a predictor it's a model right based right. on it's based on econ- economics so uh unemployment numbers stock market numbers like different economic indi- these superficial economic indicators right. and in the past they pretty much predicted almost every presidential election oh wow yeah because oh. as you say as you just said 
people vote with their pocketbooks. Like they're not gonna care. Yeah. Like, like yeah. the bottom line is they the bottom be- line is the bottom right. line, right? Right. And so um, basically, it, unless you have a bold economic plan, given the fact that unemployment is historically low, and even though of course that's fake news, but again, perception is a reality, right? And stock market being at record high, even though yeah, most Americans don't even own like something like ten percent of Americans own eighty percent of all stocks. Right. And the bottom 50% of Americans like basically own no stock. But right. again, perception is a reality, right? And the GDP keeps going up and up. And also th- Donald Trump having this incumbent advantage, basically, unless there's somebody has a better economic <coughs> plan of trickle up, yeah. something similar to trickle up, then he's basically going to win in a landslide. Uh, even though he might lose the majority vote, the general vote, yeah. but he's he, still going yeah. to win the electoral college basically yes. is what the model predicts it projects and yeah, yeah like you said i think you have to make a very good point that you need to have the econ- like the number one issue for most like like 30 according to this emerson poll like 35% of americans say the number one issue is the economy uh-huh. so trickle yeah. up is basically the average person's like you know everyone votes with their pocketbooks right it's like how am i going to pay off my debt how am i going to pay off a unforeseen a medical emergency like these are huge these are big uh issues and one kind of switch gears one thing that has been brought up to me when i speak to people who are very hesitant about yang is that <clears throat> sure trump was an outsider but look at how he's doing yang's an outsider one 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 very smart individual i know very savvy about politics told me like he likes Yang, but he doesn't know how to get things done in Washington because he's an outsider. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Bernie Sanders, these are two senators who know how to play this political, who know how to get shit done, or sorry, excuse my language, how to get things done. In D.C.? <laughs> in D.C. It's a fair point, right? Because they are, yeah. they're part of the system. You know, even yeah. though Bernie has marketed him himself as as someone who's very for the people, and he seems to be, and I I believe the guy. The guy's been fighting for civil rights for for his whole career. He's still part of the system. He's a senator, right? And he knows how to get. He knows how to turn that wheel. The the like complicated mess of how policies are passed, all that stuff. So, so sorry, say that again. Negotiations. Negotiations. So, negotiations. So then my question is, uh, how, how is uh, Andrew Yang better positioned than, say, a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren? It's a fair point. Oh, they've, think- they've worked in the system. They've, they've, got, they've voted for things. They've got some things done, uh, you know, but not at the scale of a, pres- a president. But they know how the system works. Yeah, I think I have uh, three responses to that. The first response is that 2016... The American, the Electoral College, was telling the American people, uh, telling everybody, basically told the world that we don't want an establishment candidate. We don't because <coughs> what all these career politicians, right? They've been in power for so long and they've done nothing for us. And that's why life expectancy's gone down three years in a row. Depression is going up. Addiction is going up. Suicide's going up. So whatever these politicians they've had you know whatever experience they've had running our government 
it hasn't led to any performance. Just, just to clarify, life expect- expectancy has not gone down uh, in the last 100 years. It's always been increasing because right. of technology and medical advances. But within the last three years, like you said, three consecutive years where life expectancy has been going down. Opioid addiction, uh, suicides. So yeah, continue. Sorry. So if you think about this, so it's kind of like, okay, just like the, as an analogy. So you have this doctor, right? Who's supposed to help you with your health and life expectancy. Like this doctor has 30 years of experience, but you know, in terms of all the patients they've managed the overall life expectancy of all the patient pool has gone down. Okay. So you're going to be like, well, I want a new doctor. And I want a new, I want I want something new. It kind of like, yeah, I, I understand. It's like people that's why in the sense people are looking for that change because whatever whatever the whatever experiences these car politicians have, it's obviously not working and it's gotten us to the trouble that we're <laughs> the predicament that we're in today. And that's why they voted for Donald Trump, not because they thought he was this great guy. It was just like it was a it was a protest, a, almost a, a riot vote without rioting. Because if you think about Donald Trump, he did not just beat Hillary Clinton. He beat the Democratic establishment. Yeah. And he beat the Republican establishment because it's not like the Republican Party wanted Donald Trump. Mm, so he fair beat, point. he beat both parties. So basically the national, the electoral, the mood of the electoral college is saying we don't want an establishment candidate. So having prior experience actually hurts his political viability. Uh, I always say that's his greatest asset is that he can't say Donald Trump can't point to him and say, "Oh well, hey, you know, you're you've been you're part of the swamp." Yeah. Kinda, that takes away Donald Trump's main advantage as an outsider because he can't say, "Well, I'm the outsider." Because Yang said, "Well, I'm an outsider because." That's uh, Donald Trump even said himself. I'm not worried about any other politician out there. Right. The only thing I fear is an unknown that comes out of nowhere. Oh, he said that. He literally yeah. said that. Like that's the only. And that's Andrew Yang. I'm not afraid of. I'm not worried about Bernie Sanders because every politician. I mean, I'm not saying that they all they're all human. They've all made some mistakes. Like for example, even Bernie. Guys, he says it always has the right heart. Is always fighting for the people, but even he voted for the 94 crime bill that Joe Biden sponsored. And that 94 crime bill uh, is said to be responsible, at least largely or partially responsible for the mass incarceration of African-Americans. In the U.S.? In the U.S., yeah. Oh, wow. And, but I don't think, but, but again, it was, it was, it's obviously more complicated than that because there was a part of the, of the bill that would protect women also. Oh, that, that, yeah, yeah, I think Bernie Sanders mentioned that yeah, as yeah. a defense. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. but that is to say that every period, every politician is going to have a tarnished record. Like, no one's perfect. The bottom line is no one's perfect. Because there's, there's all these things, these bills, there's all these little add-ons. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and right. even, uh, there was even a, a, a bill a, a bill that basically uh, Bernie voted against this bill that would allow student loans, like, you know, people with student loans to declare bankruptcy. Oh. And he actually... Uh, I don't think again his heart is in the right place. I'm not saying that he, you know, intentionally is trying to hurt the people. Yeah. But basically, you know, we're all, we're all human. We're all gonna make mistakes. And so that in that sense, that not having any political experience is actually an asset in terms of viability in the uh, general election. So then, I guess what I I'm curious then is, do you does that attract you? Is is that him Andrew Yang being an unknown out of nowhere, being an outsider? 
is that why why you're attracted to him, or is it something completely out, uh, different? Uh, it's not it's not what attracts me, but it it is it is a bonus in terms of uh, a ma- it's a favor in, in in that way it's a favorable matchup. And you look at presidential history, uh, recent presidential history, it's always an outsider that wins. You look at Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was a governor from Georgia, mm-hmm. right? He was not a DC insider. Mm. You look at Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> From California, of course. Yeah, he was a governor, but again, he was not a DC insider. Right, right? Yeah, yeah. You look at Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was not a DC insider. He was from Arkansas. Right? You look at uh, George Bush. George W. Bush. He was not an insider. He was an outsider from Texas. You look at Barack Obama. He was not, he had barely been elected. To send to the to the Senate, and everyone's like, you know, you have no, exp- you know, same thing. You have, what? Where's your track record, Barack Obama? You have no experience of getting anything done. You are barely elected, right? It's the same narrative. Like, how can like you have no DC experience? You you haven't even sponsored any legislation. You haven't gotten anything passed in Congress, Barack Obama. Mm. How can you? Uh, it's the same argument, right? Sure. Yeah. Why yeah, are yeah, you yeah. qualified to? become president versus Hillary Clinton. I mean, think about that. Oh, Barack Obama versus Hillary Clinton. I mean, how much more experience Hillary Clinton had at that point right, in politics right, 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 right. as first lady trying to get universal health care passed. Sure, and yeah, yeah, yeah. She had way more experience. And I got you. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and of so, course, Donald, Donald Trump being having no political experience. No so, it seems, yeah. so like basically you look at all these, the patterns like, well, being an outsider, is actually uh, that has not prevented, you know, these previous presidents from ruling, governing effectively. Yeah. I, uh, and and the last point is, I think Andrew Yang has said that uh, if he is elected, he would prefer a vice president that has the insider knowledge because he knows. It's, yeah. He kind of you know he's like. He, it's he, not completely useless. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he is saying that he acknowledges that he is not a DC insider. So he would ask president. Well, I mean, isn't that he would want isn't to. that isn't Mayor Buttigieg Sorry, you, also then a, a DC out? Mayor Buttigieg. Yeah, Mayor. Yeah, yeah, Mayor, yeah, outside? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mayor Buttigieg will be an outsider, and you can also say the same thing that uh, he has no experience in DC either. And so, yeah, and those two do have the outsider uh, uh, appeal, I appeal. guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But although Pete, he does have kind of a, again being a politician. In the past, he does have a tarnished <laughs> record, especially because he fired the his black police chief, and the black uh, apparently the reason why he was fired was because the black police chief found out that his subordinates were trying to get him fired for because his subordinates were racist. And then um, there's a tape recording apparently of Mayor Pete's donors telling them you, you gotta like you gotta get the black guy. Yeah. So basically. Uh, Again, oh, really? that, that's where being a politician is like if you're a politician in America, you're going to have skeletons in your closet because yeah. you had to compromise at some point. You had to capitulate to the donor class. You had to do something shady to, to you had to make some kind of compromise to be to get to where you are. Right. And again, that's where the outside the complete like the non-establishment factor weighs in of like, oh, well, yeah. Like Americans don't, Americans don't want a politician. Right. So one thing I want to kind of circle back to is one thing that we chatted about before is like the the Asian or racial lens, uh, and how basically 
so few things that have been addressed in the presidential debate. Asian guys getting ignored. Yes. <laughs> and specifically, Andrew Yang getting ignored on the debate stage. 32 minutes. Like, yeah, he, he was not asked a question for 32 minutes, right? Or like, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, they said Evelyn said that he raised his hand and he raised and he both did, hands. He did the he burner. Raised, yeah, he raised yeah, both yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah, he did the burning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the burning. You know, <laughs> he's like, hey, hello. You know, so what is he supposed to do at that point? <laughs> so yeah, and, and let, 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 this is maybe ties into a deeper, deeper feeling of. So there's this book called The Invisible Man, uh, written by uh, I think Ralph. Is it James Baldwin? Is was, was Ellison, I believe. Ellison, uh, Ellison uh, yeah. And um, he was a black man, and he write, he wrote about this feeling of invisibility in America, where like people would not look him in the eye, ignore him. Now I think things have changed. I think things are still hard. For, I, and I don't. I'm not African American, but I think there there have been major improvements in that area. Now, as far as the Asian or Asian American community, for instance. For any of us to say the N word now is very, very aggressive, macroaggressive, right? Now, if someone were to call me a chink or something like that, the it would be kind of it would it would be pretty bad, but it seems more acceptable. For so if if basically if we were to do a social experiment, walking down the street, a white guy sees me and a black friend, and he calls the black friend the N word, it's 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 that's totally socially unacceptable if he but if he said oh chink to me that would be somehow and this is the feeling i get and i don't know if you feel this way somehow a little bit more acceptable than if you call the black guy it's, it's, a, it's not a nice thing to say but it's not as bad as the n-word basically it's not as bad as the n-word jeremy lynn he would get fouled so many times when he was in the nba and like they were looking i think they were looking at the numbers and like it, it was like they were a lot of referees were letting him get fouled, you know, and it, it, there's just this feeling of while of being an Asian, particularly Asian man, but also I think Asian American women experience this too. Is like racism against Asians seems to be more acceptable than racism against blacks. Well, and then the other thing is that there's also like less fear of a backlash. Like, can you imagine if Andrew Yang was African American and then they ignored him for 32 minutes? That would be racist. Right? That would just everyone would be like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, MSNBC is like is just it's the most racist channel, like the most racist host in America. Like, how can you silence a black man for thirty? Like, how could you not let a black man? This is like, this is you know, this is this is a return to the Jim Crow era. This is this is then this is right here. This is facts. MSNBC put out all these posters, over a dozen posters, graphics, of, yeah, graphics." Of, of presidential candidates and Andrew Yang was not on any of them. That's ridiculous. They had a poster. I, I spoke to Andrew Yang at, at that rally and I asked him like, wait, so um, do you think there is such a thing as maybe like, you know, a bias against Asians? And he's like, you know, like, I don't want to, you know, like, I thought things have moved forward, but like, I feel like I've been a victim of it. They put out, a, a MSNBC put out a list of diverse candidates candidates of color that's a smaller pool right he was not on it what's i guess we're white now apparently like like, like, look, like, like this is white now i don't so, know yeah don't know. so w i guess my question is 
okay, am I crazy? Like, is it true that Asian Americans, racism against Asian Americans seems more acceptable? And you feel that Andrew Yang is, is being a, has been a victim of that. And how can we, how guess, how can we move forward from that? Yeah. Well, I do think it's because that people feel like there's going to be less backlash. And so there's, so it's like if you. What do you mean by backlash? Like, like for example, like if Andrew Yang was African American, and all of a sudden. Oh, like the, your your de- uh, debate example. Yeah, yeah debate yeah, example. Yeah, and yeah. Imagine what the you know how people will react and how the African American community. Like Cory Booker, like they, if they yeah, ignored if, if, Cory if, Booker. If, if, if yeah. it was Cory Booker and he didn't get a question, like thirty min, thirty two minutes, you know, and he always got the least amount of speaking time. And just imagine he if it's like it's not Andrew, it's Cory Booker. Every time he always. Like, you know, he always gets the least amount of speaking time. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get to speak until 32 minutes in. I think there will be national outrage that an African-American person in the 21st century doesn't get to speak. Now, I think there's some level of outrage, but I think there's not the same level of like, oh, like, this is injustice. It's just like, oh, well, okay, well, maybe because he was Asian, but, you know, he's just an Asian guy. Right. It, it seems that Asian people, especially Asian people and white people too, let's be honest, are reticent or they're hesitant to use call out race as an issue. Because I think there's a feeling of, oh, I don't want to play the victim or like they shouldn't be playing the victim. Um, like Asian Americans, this maybe going back to that whole maybe self-loathing or maybe internalized racism of like, oh, we don't want to like, Make, we don't, we don't want to make, make waves. waves. We don't want to rock the boat. Like, I've heard this, you know, from even family members. Like, James, you just keep your head down, work hard, and don't don't make too much fuss with your boss. Just And you'll just, just get focus a, on doing your job. Just do your job. Just, just make sure you get a paycheck. Get Study paycheck. hard in school. Get a good job. Uh, find yeah. a good wife. Make sure your supervisors like you. Like, always be on the good side. Give presents. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Don't, cause any, don't, don't cause any trouble. Uh, just focus. Make sure you have, you know, just... Don't, don't don't try to like be a just be a warrior or something. Right, right. Don't try to be a hero. Just just take care of yourself. And, it, and it's interesting because I think I think in the black community there are there are people like that as well who say the who have said the same. But it seems that's like an older generation. I think this newer generation of, of and why I bring up uh, the black so you know the black uh, movement is because. What's up? You're out of the picture. Oh yeah, sorry. The, the, the black movement is more like it, it seems that they have already recognized the, the what's the word the the weakness in that in that kind of mentality of like oh we're gonna get ahead and let's be fair let's look at the numbers uh, I look have you like I looked at uh, Andrew Yang's book right and Asian American he he does the do the he does a race break, breakdown like yeah Asian Americans they are economically financially doing better but why is it that we're still lacking in leadership roles pol- politics and also CEO, in re- yeah. re- CEOs C level C level the bamboo ceiling the bamboo ceiling they say right and also representation as well we're lacking you know in media and politics and it's been changing because of crazy rich asians but that's not the end-all be-all let's be honest like there's still a lot more room to grow so i think i think andrew yang's candidacy for me it has brought up brought to brought the attention of like you know america is not a white or black country only it's also there's asian americans here we have a you know, our Native American brothers and sisters. We have, you know, our brown brothers and sisters. So 
it's um I think one thing that you've touched upon in past podcasts is that he needs to get the black vote, right? And he also has to help with the you know, and his candidacy is also bringing the the more Asians into the fold. How important do you think? And how how important is the race element? You think his Asianness? I guess. Well, that's the thing is, you know, I uh, I get I do have a number of friends uh, or people that I've encountered who kind of even and especially among older Asian Americans, kind of the first generation, they're like, well, he can't win because he's Asian. Hmm. Why do you think that? Why do you think they think that way? Well, those like my mom's like saying something like, well. Uh, well, mainstream media and mainstream society doesn't accept it. Mm. And that's why they, you know, blacked him out, right? So something like that, that, oh, that's a sign that they don't accept. Like, how can he win if, of course, I always challenge her and I said, well, the traditional media is no longer mainstream media. A good point. It, it's a dying yeah. media. So we need to, first of all, we need to change the framework and say, like, I asked my mom, like, do you, I don't see you watching, like, traditional television you're on youtube all day <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i was like youtube facebook that's the new that that's the new traditional media yang gang on youtube is they they hit hard those youtube comments like i could be watching like a buddha edge like a uh, youtube uh video and then you look in the comments first comment is like yang is better <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah I, i'm in chat groups where like every new article comes out like all right guys Attack the comment section. Yeah. <laughs> dude, those 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 Yang Gang comments are hilarious. And they're like so true. Like, oh dude, there was like this one about um, black people looking at presidential candidates. And in that video they didn't show Yang, you know, but they they did they had a picture of white bread. Uh, it was a, I think it was a Daily Show, yeah. And he's like, oh, sorry, wrong picture. And he showed Pete Buttigieg. Oh, that was Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Noah. Noah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I looked in the comment section. Sure enough, like Yang Gang, freaking left out again. What the hell? You know? yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's. So, Go ahead. I mean, the I we we're running a pretty long right now, but yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah, know. Yeah. We're coming up close to the finish line, right? Three in March is like a. Uh, the primaries are we're going to vote for their primaries what do you think andrew yang has to do what can he do to like get those votes i mean he's polling at four percent right now he needs to do much better right what do you think is is, is the well, path for him to get there well i think right now first of all the polls are not fully accurate because number one a lot of these polls are only polling landlines hmm. so just, just think about that polling only landlines right yeah and also the kind of even they're also polling like people who have voted Democrat in the past. So like a lot of people I talk to on Yang Gang are like, oh yeah, I've never voted or like I'm independent or I'm like Donald former Donald Trump supporter. So and uh, he's been very successful with the the former Donald Trump supporter right, crowd. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think number one is that I don't think the polls. It's like you know Donald Trump in 2015, 2016. Like the polls did not fully represent the level of support. Uh, I mean, look at the fundraising. Like, we're gonna we're on track to fundraise more than Joe Biden in in Q4. Like two weeks ago, we raised a, a two million in four days. So that's just, and you know, you don't see. We, so in terms of the path of victory, I think it does come down to the idea of winning. The, that's why he's very focused on Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, the early states, because he just has to be viable. Like. His whole thing is right now, uh, you know, most people are still not paying attention. 
So when people, like the month before January, like February, that's like when people actually start paying attention and he's going to be in it because he's going to make every debate probably, uh, December debate, January, probably going to make it, his goal is just like, make sure we make every debate be completely viable and then just peak at the right time. And when everyone's paying attention, he knows that he has a message that differentiates himself from everybody else. And whereas like other candidates, they have a ceiling. For example, Bernie, the fact that he's misbranded himself as a socialist, he's not a socialist, okay? Democratic socialism, that unfortunately, because of the baggage of the Cold War, just that term has a ceiling, has, is kind of a turnoff for a certain segment of the population. Yeah. Especially yeah. like gen, above Gen X and above, boomers, right? And also the Vietnamese American community, because like they, you know, they fled a communist country. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. were like, yeah, a lot of people I talked to that. Even though, like, I would argue with them about socialism, like, okay, you know, yes, but again, the baggage of the Cold War is still here. And yeah, because socialism, communism, it sounds like the same thing to these people, to, to a lot of people. To yeah, a lot of people, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, because his message doesn't have a ceiling, and so as long as he keeps staying in there, and he shows people, because Barack Obama, same thing, everyone's like, he doesn't have a chance. I mean, Barack Obama in December of 2007 was 20 to 30 percentage points behind Hillary. Think oh, wow. That. Yeah, yeah. So if Hillary was polling at like 36%, <laughs> like Barack Obama was polling at like 12, 15%. Yeah. And so that was that seemed insurmountable. And I actually talked to somebody who was uh, re, uh, just yesterday, she was a part of the Barack Obama campaign back in 20, 2007, 2008. And she okay, said that yeah. I feel the amount of intensity, the amount of enthusiasm, the amount of energy, this is exactly what... Uh, like this is only of all the candidates, I only see this in the Andrew Yang campaign. So Barack Obama, he had a slogan, uh, you know, change, right? Like, uh, what was it? Change. Yes, what you can. It? Yes, his, you can. His slogan right? was yes, you can. Yeah. So three syllables. Maybe Dan, you're onto us. Yes, you can. Yeah. Um, uh, Andrew Yang has another slogan: humanity first, mm -hmm. right? For uh, for so human. Well, anyways, it has, he has a new one. It's a it's a it's a, a new way forward. Because it's another slogan is, it's not left, it's not left, it's not right, it's forward. Right, right, right. So that's the, that's the uh, so now kind of they kind of consolidated that into, you know, this is a new way forward. New, new way forward. forward. This is a new way forward. Yeah, okay. new, yeah new, new way forward. Is he still sticking with humanity first or? I mean, he's still, yeah, we still use that too. But yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like, uh, kind of the rebranding, the new, like if you see all the posters now. Yeah. It's like new, no, new. Uh, new way forward. Because the forward idea is to counter the make America great again. So it's like, ah, that's about going backwards, right? Yeah, yeah, great yeah. again. His counter narrative is a new way forward. So I, I personally do like humanity first. And I think... One thing I want to ask before we we sep we we part is um, not not just uh, Andrew Yang, but in general your own worldview. What does it mean to have humanity first? What does it mean to be a good person? You think? How? Because basically, what it boils down to is politicians, people in power, whatever. We're all trying to make this world a better place. Am I right? right? Like, well, that's that's the goal. Or we're trying to serve the public, serve the people. I think you were on the podcast where they said, is it politicians are either in the game to serve the people or have the people serve them, right? Which is, that's completely two different things. So what I want to, I'm curious about your own personal worldview. Like, and, ha and maybe you could tie it to Andrew Yang, but like, 
what does it mean to have humanity first? Or what does it mean to be a good person in this world, in the, the world we live in today, with all the technological advances, all the, you know, the suicides? Like, how can we, I be a good, how can we make a good, how can we be a good person and make this world a better place? Yeah, yeah and I think... Uh, Big uh, question, I'm sorry. I, I, no, I, I love that question because as a Christian, I have a Christian worldview. <coughs> and in the Christian worldview, it basically boils, like humanity first represents to me the Christian message of love. Because the Christian message is saying that uh, God loves us unconditionally, mm. and therefore we should love one another unconditionally. Mm. And so the idea that we're on earth, our mission on earth is to love one another unconditionally. Uh, to the, Of course, with, with proper boundaries, right? Sure. Uh, uh, but the idea that you know, loving one another unconditionally, I think that's what humanity first is. And I really see that in the yang, yang gang. Because I see people like, oh, I, I just lost my home, whatever. And then someone's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to open up my house to you. Mm. right? And people like, oh, uh, I, I can't, you know, I'm, I got in the situation. And then someone starts to go fund me. And then it's like, oh, that thing's taken care of. Mm. And it's like, it's this, this, this new humanity, this new family where all these traditional artificial barriers that divide us, these walls of race, of class, of sexual orientation, of political ideology, uh, all these things that, of culture, ethnicity, right, that have traditionally separated us. Mm. Now that we, now we can actually transcend these barriers. And I've met so many people in the Yang game that former Trump supporters, you know, African American people who work on the who work in the Barack Obama campaign, uh, you know, other Asian Americans, you know, all people of all kinds, all kinds of people that reflect the diversity of America that all these people we can all come together under this common umbrella of humanity first this common umbrella of you know what it's not left it's not right it's forward it's a new way forward mm. and I think that's what we need today in America is this new way forward that as one people mm. uh, and then yeah especially there's one person she shared about why she's in the Yang gang and she said that it's because for the first time in a very long time my family can actually talk about politics and be has some common ground because of Andrew Yang, mm. and that's something powerful. And that if he can, you you know, this is a joke that if he can unite the comment section yeah. of a YouTube video, <laughs> he can unite this country. Right, right. And that's what that's recognizing our common humanity uh, as as human beings, and I think that reflects the Christian message of our unconditional love, our love what love love your neighbor as yourself. Right, and um, Dan just clarified with me. It's called "Yes, We Can," right? The, the slogan yeah. for uh, "Yes, We Can." Yeah, yeah. So "Yes, We Can," and then and so for Andrew Yang, he's taking that like oh, it's not left, it's not right, it's forward. Um, one thing uh, I want, yeah. So I think that's a great, great spot. Just to tie it up, uh, one thing I did like about Andrew Yang too was that there was a lot of demonization of Trump supporters. And in the when when Trump was first elected, it's like I, I saw things. It was it was really bad on Facebook or you know Instagram, whatever. Like if you are a Trump supporter, I'm I want to unfriend you. I don't want ever want to see you again. Blah blah blah. What I've seen and what you brought up was that oh, if you are a Trump supporter, and this was in a video I saw, and he blew this guy away. He's like, I do not judge you for the suffering that you had that led you to make that decision. I'm here with solutions 
to that, to the symptom, because Donald Trump, he says again, is Donald Trump is a symptom of the disease of the disease of automation removing uh, what two hundred like four million jobs, four million manufacturing jobs, right? And also truckers, that's going to be a big is- issue. Truckers are going to be losing their jobs, and it's the most you know most popular job in twenty nine states, right? So like that job is going to get automated and most of these are dudes angry white dudes let's be honest like that's not going to look good it's not going to look good um and uh so i think i agree i think andrew yang he's got the right message he's like bernie 2.0 he understands the threats of the the world the future the threats of the future are now you know and um and also like I think the the Christian message, and this is my own personal belief. Um, I am not Christian, but I do believe that religions they all paint, they all point towards principles. So Dan and I are martial artists, and we talk about how, like, sure, there's all these different styles, but at the end of the day, they're all principles of what's real important are the principles. And the principle of Christianity, of uh, Islam, of Buddhism, and of a lot of the world religions is humanity. And finding common love for each other, you know, because at the end of the day, and in Buddhism they talk about how <laughs> life is suffering, right? Life ain't easy, but if we have love for each other, if we can treat each other with love, you know what? Maybe maybe life ain't so bad, you know. Maybe that's not. Anyways, um, any last thoughts before we go into our, our we have a language corner section? But any last thoughts uh, you want to share? Yeah, you talk about the suffering. I think that's the beauty of the Andrew Yang campaign is that. You know what? As dark, it's it's recognizing the stark and dark reality that we live in, but it's also very optimistic because, like, yeah, we know it's wor- the world is worse than we think. We know that life expecting is going down. This, we live in a terrible place, but you know what? There is hope. There is something we can do about it. Yeah, and that's why I love the campaign. Is it's it, it's it's it recognizes the reality, but it's also this ray of hope that we can move forward in the midst of this bleak world. <laughs> cool. Dan, any last thoughts before we do Language Corner? No, I mean, uh, thank you very much, Eric, for coming and taking our, our questions. Um, yeah, hopefully he he can get his message across. I still think he could redo his slogans. <laughs> I, I honestly, you know, new way forward is great. New but, way you know, forward. Move forward. Move forward, be human, things like that. Three syllables, easier to chant. It's, you know what? I think chanting is a big deal. Like if you can't chant it, it's it's hard to get. It, let, let's be real. Politicians, you know, even like uh, any sort of public speaking is a, is a way of like, you're trying to like, the, the, it's, it has a negative connotation, but you're trying to brainwash people basically. It's not, I guess a nicer way to put it is you're trying to instill in people, you, it's like inception. You want to instill this idea in a person and the, and the way that's how we learn. That's how we learn like a a punch, right? We repetition, repetition. So no, Dan, I think you have a good point. Yeah. Trickle up, trickle up, new way forward. Humanity first. Trickle up. Math. Man, make, yeah. make America think harder. Okay. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, yeah, language yeah. corner. What's the language corner? Language corner is, yay, now we go to the language corner. So this is, we end each section of our podcast with 
some either language we're learning or something or phrase that we've learned recently that we would like to share. So it's kind of like a cultural exchange. Um, so Dan, do you have anything for language corner today or? Uh, just one word. Hope. Yeah. It's um, kibol. In Japanese, it's kibol, hope, or aspiration. Kibol. Kibol. So in romanization, that's K-I-B-O? K-I-B-O-U. Kibol. Oh, that's it has the L. Kibol. 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 Yeah. Ah, kibol. I think it's the same character in Chinese too, right? Shi Wang. The shi- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kibol. Kibol. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually one of the passwords in uh, uh, spoiler, but for Evangelion, one of my favorite animes. Yeah, oh. like, it was like they're this like they they were trying to get into this computer thing, and and, and the password was hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, my language corner today is uh, <laughs> it's like a phrase I learned recently. Is uh, what is it? Uh, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. How's your Mandarin these pretty days? Pretty good. Pretty it's good. It's pretty good. Okay, Qiqing Liu. Yu. So people, human beings, we have qi qing liao yu. And qi qing is like seven emotions. Liao yu is like uh, six desires. And like, I guess in Taoist philosophy, they broke it down as a uh, freaking, I have it here. Oh, here it is. Yeah, seven emotions are pleasure, anger, sorrow, fright, worry, fear, thought. And then uh, six des- uh, six desires would be uh, I believe it was eyes, what was it eyes, nose, uh, ears, mouth, uh, and one of them was e, which is intention. And I think I'm missing one. Touch is it touch? I think it might have been touch. Oh yeah, touch body. Yeah 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 yeah. So, uh, anyways, I have one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, but anyways, I the reason I bring this one up is because it was I was listening to a TED talk, and she was talking about happiness and, and finding happiness. And as humans, we have teaching Liu Yu. We have all, all these emotions. We have all these desires, um, which are fine, you know. And I think it's kind of like recognizing that, you know, recognizing these things, but also realizing like what we want. Uh, not being led by them, but in the sense, be like, well, understand what we really want, and also realizing maybe I'm not perform. I'm not looking for validation from someone. I'm not looking for uh, uh, a certain like the de- basically having the desire come from a right place, coming from a, a true place. You know, I think in Christianity they talk about like. Um, you know, live in God's will, right? And and I think for me as a secular person, I find I find, as far as desires and stuff, you know, desire suffering. They cause they say in Buddha it causes suffering, and it's very true from my experience. But I think what has helped me is recognizing, like my own desires, and trying to come from a pure place. Like it's coming from this either, this idea of this my my true self, you know or true spirit, you know, to use more spiritual term. So anyways, that's something I've been thinking about these days. Um, but anyways, yeah, what's your language? Yeah, called? mine's uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the Chinese term, uh, which is, uh, which means, uh, which means like, uh, 
crisis, right? Weiji is crisis. Yeah, Weiji. So Wei is, if you, but if you break out Weiji, it means Wei is kind of danger. Right. Right. And Ji is Jihui, opportunity. <laughs> so in every crisis, there's both a danger and an opportunity. And I think that kind of represents the where we are right now, that we're in a crisis. We're in the middle of this crisis. Mm. That, and there, it could be, it's a, it's an, it's, yes, it is. There are plenty of dangers. Yeah. But there's also, there are also ample opportunities to move forward. Mm. And Andrew Yang being one of them, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the solutions, you know, yeah, some of the solutions that he has to offer uh, that, that uh, we can work together on this. Hmm. You know, I actually learned that from The Simpsons. Oh, yeah? Because I, Lisa Simpson, she was like being really smart and said, oh, you know, in Chinese, they say uh, a dang- uh, when there's like a crisis, crisis or a danger, there, uh, there's an uh, opportunity that it's the same. She messed it up. She said it's the same character as uh, opportunity, which is technically not correct because right, there's the, two, two there's that One is danger, one is opportunity. Right, right. But, right. You know, the same idea. The same same idea. idea, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank that's you for this time. Weiji. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Thank you very and, much. Uh, cool. So this is James um, signing off. You want to go sign off for us? All right. This is Eric and signing off. And this is Yen signing off. <laughs> this is Yen signing right, take off. Take care, man. <laughs> Bye. All right. Have a good one. Everyone take care. Mm-hmm.